and welcome to What. I am not Ellie, I am Chelsea, but I'm filling in on sort of main host duties because Ellie is not going to be here for this episode. She uh, had something better to do, I guess. No, that's not true. She uh, is really sad she couldn't be here, but she had to do a different show this week. So filling in for her, or I guess in a way filling in for me because I'm filling in for her. It's a whole hierarchy system. Uh, is our good friend of the pod, Celia, aka Dino Mother. Celia, how the hell are you? You know what? I'm damn good. I'm damn good. Happy to be here. Oh my God. I can't believe we're swearing so much. This is a swearing <laughs> podcast. You know what they say, a swear a day keeps everything <laughs> as it should be. Yeah, obviously, 100%. Uh, and then, <laughs> as a really special treat, our guest on the show this week is uh, Drunk Connor. Drunk Connor, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> we went to a really fancy dinner uh, earlier, just as like, you know, like date night. Uh, and Connor got really drunk because it was that thing where like, you know how when you go to places with fancy cocktails, you can tell that the cocktails are fancy because when you read the ingredients, they're oops, all alcohol. Like every ingredient <laughs> is an alcoholic ingredient. Okay, like you go to like a bar bar and they're like, what do you want? Like a vodka soda, a whiskey Coke, a gin and ginger. But then you go to like a fancy cocktail bar and they're like, oh, this is like rum and vermouth and Saint-Germain and cognac and lavender alcohol or whatever. You're going to want like, oh... (laughs) This yeah, is everything in this everything in the sixteen dollar cup is gonna get me fucked up. Yeah, this is gasoline. So, uh, yeah, this is simply gasoline for me to consume. Yeah. <laughs> um, Don't about gasoline. Look, it's fun because Connor's very drunk, but Celia and I are a little hungover because we went out last night. We it's true. Babies. It's true. Sort of like in like a share bear situation. Each of us brought a new friend. <laughs> Last yes. night. And I was, you know, concerned of just like, are these people going to match energies? Are they going to want to talk about, you know, like getting your pussy eaten outside the medieval times? Are they going to want to talk about, uh, you know, are they going to want to watch Space Titanic? Honestly, the, the bar for being accepted by us and by each other is um, has never been higher, honestly, at this point for people. Yeah, it's very true. You've got and, to get and, on board really quickly. You're going to want to get on board. Uh, I guess maybe that's like the unofficial theme of this episode. It's like, uh, welcome to what? You're going to want to get on board. Well, that actually matches really well with my topic. <laughs> oh my God. Are you for reals? Yes. Are you for truesies? I'm for truesies for real skis. Well, uh, Connor, are you ready for a fact bangity bang? I am. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys know what a coelacanth is? Yeah. I knew you would, you son of a bitch. Connor, do you know what a coelacanth is? It's like a fish that isn't supposed to be alive anymore, but like is. Dino fish. Dino fish. Y'all are both too smart for my fact bangs. This is annoying. (laughs) Well, for the folks at home who are like me and just learned about a coelacanth, a coelacanth is a fish that up until like the 1930s they thought was went extinct with the dinosaurs it's like a 400 million year old fish and they thought it went extinct with the dinosaurs and then they just fucking found it off of the coast of like south africa and it turns out 
that it did not go extinct. It has always been around. It just is nocturnal uh, and a deep sea fish. And during the day, which I guess I don't really understand like how a fish has like day night cycles if it's deep sea, but whatever. During the day, it hangs out in little like volcano caves. And then it comes out at night and like swims around. Hard, hard uh, to see other people living your life, your, uh, oh, your dreams. Also, I don't know if you know. Okay, here's a couple of things about the coelacanth that maybe you don't know. One, did you know that it is like beautifully shimmering blue, like a deep aqua blue? If I, I didn't know if that. I say yes, it's will you gorgeous. be mad at me? <laughs> a little, but it'll be fine. Uh, I was ignorant of that fact. Okay, it's actually beautiful, Connor. It is like you remember that children's book about the like glittery fish that gives all its scales away. Oh yeah, the rainbow fish. Yeah, yeah it's like that. It's like beautiful, like glittering, like deep sapphire aqua blue. I love that. Second of all, it they think that it lives for a hundred years, which is also part of the reason that they haven't been able to like get a lot of good data on it. Heck yeah. They said that like coelacanths have rings like a tree and you can count their rings and learn how old they are when they're dead. Uh, and that they the ones they've been finding that are like that they've been studying, they think are over a hundred years old. They've learned that um coelacanths carry their uh the they carry their young, the mothers, uh, in their gestation station because i guess they they don't lay eggs uh for five years can you imagine being pregnant for five years no is that the worst thing you've ever heard yes <laughs> no thank you yeah so they're pregnant for five years with little baby coelacanths uh and also coelacanths don't reach sexual maturity until age 55 damn wow. <laughs> uh which i can't wait to tell my mom <laughs> and then they've got 50 years like to just weird- Pimp out those babies. Just fucking vibe. Yeah. yeah and be pregnant <laughs> for five years at a time. Be pregnant for five years at a time. Really uh, slap scales. Yeah. They could be slapping those beautiful scales. <laughs> Celia, I understand that you really stepped up to the plate uh, and you've prepared a topic so that you can play for team host on Ellie's path. It's true. Uh, I really feel like I basically wrote like a sixth grade research paper. Yes, yes, that is the theme of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, in a way that like it really brought me joy. Like last time, you know, I presented, I was, you know, excited. I was nervous. We had a burgeoning friendship. It was a blossom, but a bud hadn't blossomed yet. Uh, And now I'm like... Like, okay, cool. You got to like lean in with dinosaurs. Um, but this is going to show <laughs> off a whole other uh, part of my my person that like, I'm sure you know exists, but like, I'm going to unlock it for you today. That explanation went a lot of places, but I feel like I followed and I understand the energy. Yeah. Well, Celia, do you want to say the title of your topic? Mine is... 39 up to the heavens. 39 up to the heavens. That feels like something somebody says before they do like a sports play to like do the sports great. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, God, like 39 up to the heavens. Like, let it ride. Like, foul ball, walk it strong, you know, or whatever uh-huh. people say for sports. Yeah, all those you things. Know, we're, both, we're both sports girls. For sure. Absolutely. Big, big sports girls. You know me. It sounds like what I would say if someone asked me how many points I scored in like a game mm-hmm. and I was trying to give a range. Yeah, 39 up to. And I had scored two. exactly 39 points. Uh-huh. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I scored a 39, you know, up to the heavens. Like, what? Yeah. Anywhere in there. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, Connor, h- how many sports games would you say that you've played where you have scored 39 points uh, or up to the heavens? Or to the heavens, yeah. Uh, you know, one or two up to the heavens. <laughs> one, or, one or two, okay, okay. <laughs> wait, wait, one or two games uh, where you've scored 39 points or one or two games wherein you've just scored any amount of pointage? Well, one or two up to the heavens. Like, you can... It's ambiguous, like, like how can, many games. You can really just kind of extrapolate from there, Celia. Yeah. Like, the low end is one or two, but, like, the high end is, like... Uh-huh. The heavens. <laughs> the heavens. <laughs> <laughs> the sky's really the limit. Okay, what if I gave yeah. you a separate, uh, uh, you know, sub-hint, which was teased earlier, but now I've already forgotten what we said. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> but it does involve getting on board. You're going to want to get on board. Oh. Oh, you're gonna want to get oh, on board. Well. Okay, thirty nine like up to train, the heavens. Like a train that's on an escalator. <laughs> no. <Excuse me>. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's a train that's like going. It's a train that starts at the 39th floor and then it goes up to heaven. Connor, are you like, are you like devising a comic in your head right now? She's already drawing know. it. <laughs> She's already drawing it. This is a He's special like, yeah, broadcast. Yeah, it goes up to 39, see? And then heaven's above it. Uh, is it about, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> is it about dinosaurs? <laughs> no. I remember, er- remember earlier when I said I was taking you away from that part of my personality. Yeah. But I thought that that was a trick because then you because then you re-reference like things we were talking about earlier. And I was like, oh, is it going to be dinosaurs? Is it like because that would have been like an incredible psych out if you were like, yeah. And also just kidding. It is super about dinosaurs. <laughs> I think at that point they just call it a lie. It's not yeah, a trick. I was gonna it's say, just yeah. that's, just, yeah, that's just called being a bad person and a liar. That's just a little trick. I'm ready for that classic Celia Dino twist. <laughs> Is it about Titanic? No, but it is about a tragedy. Oh my God. Mm. Is it about the time that Connor only got one or two points in a sports game? Up to the heavens. (laughs) Okay, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Oopsie, maybe. Uh Uh-oh, Connor. It would be fun if like you were taking this opportunity, if you like agreed to come guest host so that you could tell on my boyfriend. (laughs) So I just actually did like deep, deep, like private investigator research on both of you and all I'm going to do is just read that report here's Felicity yeah, but only oh. our athletic histories <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly well I can't wait for you to expose the fact that I was on like uh, like you know like community soccer team when I was seven called the pinch <laughs> Which was embarrassing. (laughs) Which was embarrassing. I hope not. I was. The pinch. And one of the teams got to be the kick. And I always thought that was not fair because, like, kicking is very integral to soccer. So it felt like they were kind of being, like, singled out in a positive way. Yeah, but pinching really stuck with you. So, like, I think you still Oh, yeah, because that'll make your pussy pinch. We have a new... We have a new... (laughs) So, like, for the folks who don't know, who might be new to the podcast, Celia, Connor, and I all live together. Connor and I are simply Connor and I are simply a couple in our 30s who also have a roommate because capitalism is a nightmare. But I wouldn't have it any other way because I love living with Celia. Uh we have so much fun and laughs. Oh my god, the so laughs. So true, so true. Uh and so, you know, just like any like family unit, we come up with our own like lingo that 
nobody likes outside of our house uh that's just like incomprehensible and the most recent one to enter like the home vernacular is that'll make your pussy pinch and it will oh that that'll That'll make make your pussy pussy pinch pinch. oh you're gonna want to make your pussy pinch. you've heard of that'll make your pussy throw up now try no celia it's that'll make your pussy throb it is anew (laughs) it was no it it was that'll make your pussy throb no like throb no that'll make your pussy throw up oh my god oh my god what would that mean what would that be analogous to come on as a pussy haver what would that be analogous to what does your pussy do that is like throwing up discharge oh my god okay (laughs) this is over Sammy in the chat backing me up with periods, so... Yes, but neither of those things are, like, throwing up. Like, they're dribbles at (laughs) best. They're oozes. You don't ooze when you throw up. You projectile. Nothing comes out of my pussy that's projectile unless I sneeze. Well, there you go. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so, look, we're really veering away from relatability. This is why roommates should never have a podcast together. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're actually nobody's having fun anymore. <laughs> this could be the name of this episode. Nobody has fun. Um, okay, so would you like to hear the title of my topic? Yeah. Yes. Okay. The title of my topic is Harry Potter and the Sex Cult. Is this about that um, like novel length rewrite of Harry Potter where this Christian woman like rewrote it so that like it was not oops all bad anymore? Excuse me? Can you give me like a little mini what overview of what that is? Because I would love to know more. Online, I don't know the title of it, so I will not pretend to claim to know it. Online, some woman rewrote all of the Harry Potter books, all of the Harry Potter books, but she was like deeply religious and so she rewrote them so that like the witchcraft elements and all of these things were basically like removed. So, so it's all available it online. <laughs> What's left? Hang on. It's called The Book of Harry. The Book of Harry. No. Christian mother rewrites Harry Potter without the magic. No. Wait, then so what's every left? Time they, wait, so every time they cast a spell, do they just like pray to God and then just like it happens? Just like whatever. I just want to be really uh, clear with you. Cool. I've never, I've never read it. But I do know that Hagrid is a missionary dressed up as a cowboy. (laughs) For the folks listening at home, if you want to hear Celia give a quick recap on that, on the book of Harry, just go ahead and like drop us a note. You know what I mean? Like reach out on social, leave us a cute review demanding your book of Harry content. Just let us know. I live to serve. She lives to, that's her gift. Connor, could you, uh, could you guess what you think it is? Uh, I was yeah. going to say, is this about Daniel Radcliffe as a person, like outside of like the canon Harry Potter, like fiction? 
Follow-up question to your question. Do you think that Daniel Radcliffe is involved in a sex cult? I don't know. I, I Look, I have no basis to say one way or the other. Is this so about Nexium? No. Is he a Scientologist? No, I think he's like a normal, nice person. <laughs> Every interview <laughs> I've ever seen with him uh, seems good. And he also called uh, JK Rowling out on being a transphobe, which was probably hard because, you know, he would not have a career without Harry Potter. So, well, But he also already made all the movies. Like, they're not going to, like, take That's those away true. from him. Okay, it still was brave, Connor. For, sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it is not about that. Let me put it this way. The name is basically, it's exactly what it sounds like. So if you don't immediately know, then you don't know. But you're about to find <laughs> out. Okay. Hell yeah. Uh, Connor, as guest, which would you like to hear first? 39 to the Heavens or Harry Potter and the Sex Cult? You're going to uh, hear both. Yeah. Which one would you like to hear first? let's dive right into the Sex Cult. You want to dive right into the Sex Cult. Okay. Yeah. You dirty dog. <laughs> So now I feel like we have established that you guys don't know about Snape wives. No, what? <laughs> Snake or Snape wives? Snape. Oh, no. No, no. Okay, so this journey started for me when I saw a Tumblr post that followed like a very common sort of online like joke format where uh, the first person, Crunchbuttsteak, if you will, crunchbuttsteak.tumblr.com wrote, if I had a nickel for every big name Harry Potter fanfic writer who started their own cult, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Then somebody <laughs> somebody named Looking for Sarah J replied and said, Oh man, are we talking about Snape wives? Because every time I remember them, I just have to stare off into the distance for a while. Uh and then Crunch Butt Steak, the OP, replied, I'd have three nickels. <laughs> oh. So I was like, Oh shit. Crunch Butt Steak did not know about Snape Wives, and neither do I, and I sure would like to. So I Googled, like any normal person would, Snape Wives, and guess where it brought me? If you guessed AO3, you'd be incorrect. If you guessed, oh. like, Fandompedia Wiki, you'd be incorrect. If you guessed MDPI.com, aka the, like, JSTOR for scholarly research articles <laughs> that are open access no uh, you'd be correct under the religion section i found a scholarly article written by zoe alderton called snape wives and snapeism a fiction-based religion within the harry potter fandom no oh yes oh god so no this is like buckle up because this is some dark-sided shit Pretty much like like Harry Potter is such a part of the zeitgeist that I feel like almost everybody like knows sort of like the basic building blocks. But just in case you are not super familiar, uh, you know, as we talk about, it's full of spells, which some people find dark sided. It's about a magic school and witches and wizards who are all involved in the magic school. And there's like a big fight of like good versus evil. And one of the main characters is this character, Severus Snape. Uh, And Severus Snape is like a low level villain throughout all the books who torments Harry Potter, who's the titular character, uh, the jock cop of the story. And uh, he torments Harry Potter throughout the entire series. And only at the very end of the series, in the very last book, spoiler alert for Harry Potter, I guess, you find find out that Snape actually has all the building blocks of like a fan favorite character in the sense that like he was always like kind of emo and he had like a lot of one-liners that were mean which people love 
But also he had an unrequited love that he carried for like 30 years. And he, it was like his tragic downfall. And then he was a double agent all along, like carrying the torch for this woman and then protecting slash hating her son with another man because of like, you know, like animal, like just rage, you know, of like, just like somebody else got in there and like made a little jock cop. Well, he didn't have alpha eyes like James Potter. Right. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, yeah. So Severus Snape was in love with Harry Potter's mom and that's why he was so mean to Harry Potter, but it's also why he uh, behind the scenes protected Harry Potter throughout the entire series. And you only find that out at the end of the last book as Snape is like dying. And and so of course, like Snape who was already like a character that people liked uh, a certain subset of the Harry Potter fandom after the last book came out loved Snape and they were like, oh my god, Snape is like the emo dream bad boy of my dreams and it was like, ew gross, he was like a 40 year old professor and probably also a virgin and I always just remember that J.K. Rowling described his underpants as graying, which I really didn't enjoy uh, and it stuck with me <laughs> Uh, yeah anyway so you know like there's like a ton of fan fiction about Severus Snape there's like a bunch of fan theories about Severus Snape Uh, if I remember correctly in the epilogue of the final Harry Potter book uh, Harry names his one of his sons Albus Severus Albus Severus yeah not after like his godfather or anything but like whatever it's fine uh I was always a serious gal myself I think that makes a lot of sense with like who I am as a woman on earth today is it one of uh, his is it one of his kids named after Sirius did I miss no no so they his his first son is named James and they never say in the book I don't know if they say it in Curse a Child or something but in the in the seventh book they never say what James's middle name is so there was like a very popular fan theory that james's um middle name was going to be serious and then the second son was named albus severus so you are right i just googled it it his name yeah. is james Sirius. Oh, okay well that's really one of those like weird things that like uh jk rowling dropped in like the years after before right, she got right. like mega ultra canceled one of my favorite, just as an aside, one of my favorite like parodies of that that I saw one time, I think was like a reductress like tweet where they said, uh, n- like new in Harry Potter lore, JK Rowling reveals <laughs> JK Rowling reveals Hermione uses a remember all to remember to pee after having sex. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> With, like, a photo of, like, Emma Watson. Uh, It was good. Anyway, so, like, let's go back to Snape Wives. So, just, like, in any fandom... (laughs) Actually, you know what? That's not just fair to say. I don't think that every fandom has this problem. Um, I guess maybe in, like, any big fandom, you get, like, sort of, like, sub-communities, right? So, like, there's Mm. a Snape sub-community. Fine. That happens all the time. This is all, by the way, primarily happening on LiveJournal, which, if you didn't really get to experience LiveJournal in its heyday, it was a weird fucking space. Like, um, LiveJournal had such has communities. The communities could be really insular. I was on a few LiveJournal communities that went some really weird places. Uh, As Connor knows, and maybe Celia knows, I was briefly for a period of time uh, in an offshoot community on live journal that was all about like girls who thought Eli Roth was hot oh, yeah. and it culminated in like an Eli Roth meetup which I was not a part of but I did watch religiously going down online on live journal uh anyway it was a weird time so he this was all, hot. huh 
He is hot. Like, his movies aren't, like, that good. You haven't like... even seen any of his movies. Wow. Called out. Called out, wow. Connor. <laughs> Connor and I obviously have had, con- like, as a couple, we've had to have conversation. We've had to have the Eli Roth talk. Well, who, as you who do. among us? I have... Look, I have seen clips from Hostel and Cabin Fever. Hostel is good. Hostel Part Two, I like better. Uh, and I told you, Knock Knock is a good movie, and we should watch right. it. Has uh, Keanu Reeves? Talk about a fan favorite. Oh, I've fan seen favorite Knock of the Knock. Earth. You have not seen Knock Knock. You're just saying I that have now. Seen Knock Knock. You're no, just saying that now. No, no, I've seen Knock Knock. When? When? Name three. Knock. Name top five Knock Knocks then. Uh, the first knock, the second knock, the third, fourth, fifth knock. No, okay, I saw no, knock, absolutely. knock. It, we okay, whatever. I saw it when it came out. You're the lying liar who lies. Anyway, <laughs> this is all happening on Live Journal, which was a weird, super insular social media platform. Like again, it still exists, but just like not in the way that it did. Uh, that had a community function that really fostered this echo chamber mentality that the internet is already like infamous for. So there's Snape community. So people who are like, Snape is my favorite character. I want to talk about Snape all day, every day with other people. That's fine. In this Snape community, there suddenly becomes a an offshoot that is initially unpopular. So then they do what you do on t- Live Journal, just like just like my group did when nobody liked it when we talked about Eli Roth. So we made an offshoot community for people who did want to talk about Eli Roth so that we would never have to face any kind of outside criticism or other thought uh, these people created their own offshoot and it was called Snapism uh, now Snape wives is what people who were not involved in Snapism called them they did not use that moniker themselves they used and this is true and it is upsetting they called themselves Snapists uh, I have to imagine it's because they were primarily typing this out and not saying it out loud uh, is why they would continue to call themselves Snapists. Uh, It's not great. Um, And Snapism functioned somewhere between a like Christian based religion and a sex cult around Snape. The idea being, and when I say Christian based, it's not that it had like Christian values. It's that it worked in much the same way that Christianity works on a practical level. So the idea behind Snapism was that Snape is a, is not a fictional character. Snape himself is real and he is a like supernatural kind of forever being Mm. uh, that exists on a different plane. And just as this is where like the kind of like Christian analogy or like, let's be real, like sort of like mythos borrowing comes in. They would say, just as the Bible was inspired by God, but written by man, and therefore there are flaws in the Christian Bible because men had to interpret it. Uh, Snape is real. And J.K. Rowling is the person that got to interpret the Snape myth or the Snape story. But she being a just a human, a mortal, a transphobe, if you will, uh, <laughs> did an imperfect job, which is why there are parts of the story of Snape in the canon, the canon being the seven Harry Potter books, that is incorrect. Uh, or that is like incomplete because it doesn't really touch on, you know, like just how deep Snape's power goes. So this group, and it was primarily middle-aged women, uh, they would worship Snape. They would build altars to Snape in their house that they would then share like photos of the altar and then, hmm. and this is the most important, 
and insane part, uh, they would offer themselves to Snape as his wives because like that's a big part of like, I guess what Snape desires from us as humans mm. is as many middle-aged wives as possible. Uh. So they call themselves sister wives uh, and they would perform ceremonies that they would then um, either like broadcast or like recap online uh, where they would marry Snape. Uh, and then there are <laughs> Snapeist vows. Uh, allow me to read read you from the book of Snape. I'd like to hear that. A Snape vow for when you marry Snape. Okay. Uh, so this one's from a woman who calls herself Lady Darkness. Yeah, <laughs> of course she does. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, I promise to, this is what you would say when you marry Snape, by the way, if you were, were if you were wondering. Snape from the Harry Potter books, uh, the children's books about the jock cop. I promise to be always faithful in body and mind and never love another man. I promise to love and cherish you. This is Snape. All of my life. I promise to respect and honor you all of my life. I promise to dedicate all of my life to you. I promise to stand by you in good times and bad times. This is just Snape from Harry Potter. I promise (laughs) to protect and guard you and to prevent you from any harm. I promise to provide anything you need for you. I promise to take the best care of you. I promise to use your name with the respect it deserves. I promise to always wear the ring with your name in it as a symbol of my love. I promise to obey you no matter what. I promise to respect your wishes and not to be selfish. I promise to look after you in sickness and in health. So that part was confusing because as they explained, like Snape lives on it on what they called the astral plane, which they did right, not he's explain. He's not a corporeal being. Yeah, he's not like... a corporeal Snape. So I'm not sure how like a non-corporeal Snape can get sick. Uh, so maybe yeah. they meant that like even if they're sick they'll still like write mm, stuff about okay. snake you're right 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 or snape uh so this was really intense uh well, they okay real quick can i get like a sincerity check of just like i think obviously these people are like very sincerely like horny for snape yes but like is this like hey we're all jacking off to snape together and like we're sincere about that but like are we sincere about like the Snape cult? Like, is this like a fun kind of like fan club handshake kind of thing we're doing? Or is it like, I mean, I guess you'll keep going, but like how sincere is like the rest of this? Well, let me, I'm so glad that you asked. Uh, and let me just purely selfishly, uh, by way of answering, bring it back to the live journal community I was in circa 2009 about Eli Roth, because that one was very much like tongue in cheek. Like most of us had a feeling of like, isn't it like a little funny and absurd to like fangirl over like a, a 37 year old film director? Like this mm. is this is like a little silly. This is like normally the way that people, if they're going to talk at all, are going to talk about like actors or models. Uh, but like we are like big horror nerds and this is like the guy that we think is hot. Uh, and then, and that's kind of, or at least like that is what I thought we all thought uh, until one woman who was in this group uh, wrote her open letter to Eli Roth in our community that was uh, that started out cringy and then it became funny uh, in like a secondhand embarrassment way and then it became deeply deeply upsetting and it caused uh, the mods to remove it and then have like a long talk with her where they recommended some resources because it was basically like uh, I dream of you and I think that you might know about the dreams I I don't know if they're really dreams or if like we're communicating but like I know that like if like you in my dreams I've told you like that you've saved my life and like all of this like really intense shit and we were like ha 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 no so it seems as though similarly in Snape Wives in Snapeism um 
there were, of course, like people who just were like, yeah, like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like uh, me and my sister wives like want to bone down hard with Snape. Ha ha ha. LOL for the likes. Uh, And then there were like maybe it's out from my research. It seems like at best there were about like four women uh, who took it super, super seriously and also posted about it a lot. Um, and then there were many more who maybe didn't post as much, but seemed to take it very seriously uh, and would go along with what the sort of like big four would talk about. Uh, so the answer to your question is mostly more tongue in cheek. But then again, there is like a core group in the middle who's who for all intents and purposes seem to be taking this very seriously. Photoshopping. You can find these if you search Snape Wives. I'll put a couple in the chat. Like photoshopping, like really complicated photos of like them and their family. Like photoshopping themselves together with like the other Snape Wives in photos. Here's one that's like uh that like really has the energy of like not a joke, like, um, like embarrassing, but like what people think, what people who are like fatally online think is cool, which is for, since this is an audio medium, it is a Photoshop of like two women in like bridal veils. Oh no. And they're, they're clearly not in the same space together, but they've both been Photoshopped into this picture. And then a picture of, um, what is his name? Uh, the, actor who played Snape in the movies. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman as Severus Snape. And then in um, like old English, like gothic font, it says Severus and his brides, dot, dot, dot. Watch out. Yeah. The watch out is what's my favorite part personally. But see, to me, the watch out is the clue that it is. Um, it's not tongue in cheek. Like this isn't a joke. This is like what people who are like very online, but also like very online, like not in like a, I'm up to date with like memes, but very online as in like, online is my only social outlet think mm. is like the way that you communicate with people. I don't know. I was almost going to go the other way. And maybe this is like a, is the, is it a picture of a duck or a rabbit thing? Uh-huh. You know, that you can always like do with irony. But like this almost like looks to me like it's, you know, not like they're very sincere in that. Like, yeah, we you think like Snape is hot and like we have a community based around uh, that. Uh, but it almost seems like something they're passing around, you know, not so seriously. Like it's a fun image for them in the community of like, hey, yeah, this is Snape and his wives like it's kind of a bad photoshop i don't know like maybe my brain is just so like so broken from being online for like 20 years that like i think I can... you're i think you're irony poisoned because i think yeah. that you <laughs> i think that you hang out in the kind of circles where they've already gone through so many irony cycles that they would be making this for fun right but there are people who haven't gone through those irony cycles for whom like this is how they communicate they're like oh this is how you communicate online like when i i i don't know like i i don't know exactly how to verbalize it but when i see this i'm like this is sincere this is not ironic Mm. Uh, and for the record the woman who wrote the scholarly article that's like peer reviewed and has been cited like thousands of times she believed that at the very least these like core like three or four women were incredibly sincere. Uh, And I mean, here are some examples of some of the things that these women would talk about. By the way, uh, their names are Conchita, Rose, and Tanya are like the big three that posted the most Mm -hmm. about being Snape wives. Uh, I believe that... um, Oh yeah, it's Rose and Tanya in this photo. Uh, And Rose made the photo manipulation. Uh, Tanya says that she can, when she meditates, if she like works at it, 
and does the rituals at her altar, she can hear Snape's voice and they communicate and talk to each other. So is it like shifting? Uh, like to have It's a- similar to shifting. Okay. And yeah, Connor, I've shown you shifting, and I know I've talked about shifting on the podcast before, where like oh, teens sure, yeah. yeah, teens have like taken like um a very basic YouTube level understanding of um uh quantum physics and then said this means that I can like go have sex with Draco Malfoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is or it or it reminds me of uh, the older one, I think, is like a kind of like other kin stuff. Yeah. Where people are like, oh, I was like Cloud Strife in like a past life. Right. Or like I was Navi. Like I, I remember like my introduction to other kin was Avatar. Like reading about like people mm. who like are like, oh, Avatar awoken, awoken me what I think I always was, which was a Navi. And James Cameron must have had visions of Pandora and the Navi and that's why and he thought he was just getting inspired like creatively but he was actually having a vision of the planet that some of us are from including me uh, the OP and so that is so this is all very similar right so like just like that was like the justification for like the Navi kin and just like the justification for shifting is well if there are infinite dimensions then that means that there has to be a dimension where Harry Potter is real Uh, this is similar it's that Snape is real and Snape is and Snape's story is real Uh, and JK Rowling thought that she was creatively inspired and I think part of like what supported this mythos is that um, the origin story of of J.K. Rowling writing Harry Potter that she is told in like numerous interviews uh, is that Harry Potter, quote unquote, strolled into my head one day fully formed, end quote, uh, and that she was on uh, a subway. She was on like a tube going, I think, to either work or a, a job interview. And Harry Potter strolled into her head fully formed and she had to rush off of the train to go back and like write it down because it was just like all coming so fast. So for supporters of Snapism, for Snapists, uh, this is further proof that like, oh, she didn't just like write a story out of her own imagination. She got a vision just like any prophet would. But then she Mm. got some of it wrong. Uh, So these core three women, the sister wives, uh, will sometimes meet in person to channel Snape uh, and have like religious and like sexual ceremonies, not necessarily with each other. But the idea was that they could have sex with Snape. So this the sex part is obviously the part that everybody's most interested in. Uh, it is really complicated because again, everybody had slightly different ideas about how this works. So some would say that you can have sex with Snape um, on the astral plane, which you know, essentially to a layman sounded like masturbating while fantasizing about Snape. But like, Mm. you know, you lie down, you light some special candles, you channel Snape, and then Snape has sex with you because you're his wife. Uh, Of course. Others would say, and this is really, this is leading to, in some ways, the decline of Snapism. Uh, As you can imagine, since most of these women were middle, like in like their 30s, 40s, uh, a lot of them were already married (laughs) when they got into Snapeism. And so they would say that Snape would have sex with them through their husbands. And that was kind of like how they got around the whole like being already married thing was that uh, Snape wanted them to be happy and he understood that he couldn't be like, he couldn't physically provide for them. So their physical husband was, was just that their physical husband and he could be a vessel for their true marriage with Snape. Uh, And then 
Uh, one woman even went so far as to say that whenever her husband was being particularly affectionate, that's how she knew that Snape was inhabiting him at that time, mm. which I thought was like kind of sad. Like to like mm. like that poor husband. Uh, that if like he found out that like every time he tried to do something like extra nice for nice for his wife, his wife had created like an elaborate fantasy where it wasn't him doing it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a bit of a bummer. Uh, but then this leads us to um Snapeism as a religion, its first schism, uh, and it Ooh. was around the idea of like monogamy versus polygamy, which has divided other new religions such as Mormonism in the past. Uh, which was that some women who were Snapists, some Snape wives, felt that if you were going to be a Snape wife and you were going to be married to Snape, then you could not be married mm-hmm. on the physical plane. That that was uh, fundamentally a betrayal of your marriage to Snape. Other women, I think because they were already married and no matter how seriously they did or did not take this, they weren't going to get divorced over it. Uh, they were like, no, 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 that's not how it works. And, you know, like that's where the whole like, my husband is a vessel for Snape came or some were like, well, Snape has many wives. Like we're all Snape's wives. So therefore we can have multiple husbands, just like he can have multiple wives. Uh, but there were a handful of purists who were like, no, absolutely not. It's one or the other. Like this is like gatekeeping being married to Snape of just like, you better not already have a husband. Uh, and that caused like literally an offshoot of just like, are you a monogamous Snape wife? Or are you a polygamous Snape wife? Wow. Uh, uh, see, I thought they were going to go, uh, uh, kind of like the waifu route of just like, well, Snape can only have one true wife. Oh. So like, which of us is it? Which among uh, us well, could be. Can I tell you right now, Celia, from the bottom of my heart, Yeah, I would read that manga, <laughs> like a tournament style manga, but like for who gets to be the true wife of Snape. Okay, just to be clear, yeah. not Snape specifically, there are literally thousands of manga like that. Uh, did I tell you, Celia, how I absolutely like um, dunked on Connor yesterday? Uh, you didn't, but I'm excited to hear. Uh, so one of the things that I love most about being in a relationship with Connor Shay is that he is like so easy to like get his goat. <laughs> like there are just like very specific triggers. Like there's very specific buttons, and like you like like a rat, like an like a lab rat with like a cocaine button. You can just press that button, and every single time you're gonna get the same response. It's so good. Uh, and this one was, <laughs> uh, we watched Edge of Tomorrow. Have you ever watched? that yeah uh so i didn't know until very recently that it like actually has a cool plot like i remember when it came out uh, and it just looked like a very generic like uh fighting aliens like sci-fi action movie yeah and i was like well i'm not interested in that and then i learned that like it wasn't supposed to be called edge of tomorrow it was supposed to be called live die repeat and then it was like oh this is like some cool like weird manga shit uh, where uh, Tom Cruise like fights an alien and gets the alien's blood in his mouth and from then on he like lives the same day every day like Groundhog Day right. or like uh, whatever what's that show that's on Netflix like every time he dies his like day restarts Russian Doll every time he dies his day restarts right. uh, so he becomes like a super fighter he becomes like really really good at fighting these aliens but the absolute best part is Emily Blunt literally never looking hotter in a big old mech suit with a giant sword that's like flat yes but it's huge yes uh and they call her uh full metal bitch <laughs> and it rules hell yeah uh and she was so hot and she like just goes out there and like it also i just liked it because it didn't make a lot of sense because like they're like super military and like it's like it's clear that like they're based on like 
a modern military like breakdown down to like them being called being called like majors and privates and stuff like that uh and they all have guns because they have big old mech suits but just she has a big sword uh and she's just wailing on these aliens with this giant fucking flat sword as she should as she should and i was like connor this rules like she's like in a mech suit she's got like a flat sword and then i was like damn is anime good <laughs> and then i just ripped hey, all of so my hair out. like I'm, i immediately just started grabbing follicles and like pulling them out of my scalp and it was so easy yeah. was, he, like, he literally was like yes oh my god that's the same energy as you being like is there a rhythm gymnastics anime and me being like yeah here's the one i'm literally watching right now and you're like well not that one but like well, <laughs> boys. okay but you didn't specify anyway everybody knows that girls are the real stars of gymnastics nobody cares about boys gymnastics excuse you i am interested in that one that you showed me i don't even know uh well you guys are literally never going to guess what killed snapeism porn was it when snape died tiktok no alan rickman's death no but that would have been sad jk rowling being a transphobe no, that would have been good. Uh, was it each other? Kind of. It is because one of the core three Snape wives that was really responsible for like building a lot of, like doing a lot of the world building that everybody else was participating in, uh, publicly announced in the Live Journal group that she had stopped worshiping Snape so she could worship Jethro Gibbs instead. And in case you don't know who Jethro Gibbs is, he is the main character of NCIS, that show that everybody's grandparents watch. Wow. Oh, that rule. Yeah, it's really good. And so she made a Photoshop of like Snape fading away of like herself as a bride, <laughs> Snape fading away, and then Agent Jethro Gibbs of the NCIS coming yeah. in oh, to like be yeah. her new husband. And people like just lost their minds and it became a big fight, a big fan war. Uh, they, uh, they likened it to the Pope converting to like a new faith. It just, <laughs> yeah. it just broke the faith. You know what I mean? mean like they were like well yeah. like there's there's no there are no true believers there's no one that i can follow right well that's what i'm saying that's why this is hard for me to understand like outside of like some amount of ironic distance because like if they're just like fans then it makes perfect sense. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I used to think like Alan Rickman as Snape was the hottest person. And now I think Jethro Gibbs is the hottest person. But like if you've attached very sincerely, like all this like kind of metaphysical like meaning to these things, then like that's like hard to wrap your mind around. I think that I think that you are right, but I think it's both because I think that like if every single member of this group were as committed as like the big three were, mm -hmm. then just one person even a leader, um, you know, excommunicating wouldn't be enough to shake them. So clearly most of the people in the group had to be either just like blind followers or having some kind of ironic distance or both because when they wasn't a leader anymore, they just kind of like scattered. But also that's happened to many like nascent religions. Sure. You like you have a you have a yeah. charismatic leader, mm. uh, and then when you lose the leader, everyone just kind of doesn't know what to do anymore. Absolutely, that doesn't mean that their belief wasn't sincere in the moment. Sure, but I guess I was also just saying like interior to like the mental state of like this singular person. Uh huh. It's like what was going on in her mind? Like if she really believed that like Snape had been channeled from some like other dimension into her life, but then she was like, oh, actually, no, never mind. That's lame. Jethro Tull is actually like is the. Real 
real like i don't know he's the true connection yeah like what was that experience like for her like did she have like an acid trip where she just like snape's face morphed into his face and then she was like oh this is like the true guy i mean i think you will i think Okay, Connor, think about the woman that we like to follow on TikTok that is like the celebrity medium where she believes that she can um and she can take into her body like a lot of different dead celebrities. And like at first it was all about Michael Jackson and she was like, I am married to the ghost of Michael Jackson. Like, don't get yeah. it twisted. I'm not married to Michael Jackson. That's preposterous. He's dead right. and we never met. But I am married to the ghost of Michael Jackson because when we met, he was a ghost. Uh, like that woman, you know how like she was first like all into Michael Jackson, but then she was like, now we're having fights and we've broken up. And now I channel all these different celebrities. Like Mm. in reality, we're pretty sure that what happened was that like, she was a big Michael Jackson fan. And then just like everybody's tastes like change over time. She kind of got tired of Michael Jackson and thought it would be more fun just to do like different celebrities every time. But she, that would break the like that would break the the story that she's told herself in her mind so then instead it was that they got in a fight and of course at the same time this new power was coming so i think mm. it was something similar to that where it's like in reality this woman is probably very bored and maybe a little lonely in her real life and she has this very very rich detailed inner life uh where she was married to Severus snape uh and then you know snape like over time kind of got boring and like all this is happening in like 2006 2007 like like the era around the seventh book so maybe the seventh book comes out and she's just like not really into how it went down and (laughs) it's like like souring yeah it's souring her feelings about snape meanwhile she's starting to watch ncis and she's fucking loving it and so the the story in her mind has to adapt to accommodate this new reality um unfortunately it's hard to find any of like the original texts of the snapism uh because they abs like as you can imagine uh, outside of like their live journal community they got made fun of endlessly by like both like the Harry Potter community at large and then like any kind of like fandom wank you know type communities so they deleted like the entire like community which you can do you can you can press like the Omega button on the community but some of it still exists in like the Wayback Machine and stuff uh, I did find a post from the original Snapeism community that's um uh it is somebody posting that it starts out with severus is looking over my his shoulder at me and he seems suspicious of my laughter uh then a quote from snape to this community via this woman uh where he says tell me can you read my name is severus snape therefore do not take liberties with it uh and then this is to explain why snape hates it if you just call him snape you need to only call him severus or severus snape uh things i feel severus won't tolerate one being dominated two disrespect three prying into his personal life slash disregarding his privacy four being told to give up his grudges i.e talking about potter five disobedience to his wishes uh honestly all these sound like some christian gray shit uh six being ignored seven undermining his authority to anyone else all <laughs> nine is being harassed slash made fun of slash laughed at slash picked on uh and then with like asterisks around it he really hates this oh and it's because he got bullied sure <laughs> he, oh he, he, mm. 
Ooh, I am learning from this post. Uh, Connor, I got bad news for you. Uh, yeah. Severus Snape, like you, was a Capricorn. So they're saying that a lot of this is just like Capricorn energy. Would you say that you have Severus Snape energy? I mean, I'd say I hate being bullied. Am I your Snape wife? Especially by teens. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh anyway so that is the sad short life of snapism wow yeah well (laughs) it sure happened boy did you take me on a roller coaster ride i wasn't ready for oh yeah here's uh the you know how like you could have back in like the old forum days you could have sort of like a like the equivalent of like an email signature like a little footer that would appear at the bottom. Yeah, at the bottom I was, of like everything you posted. I was out here posted. HTML coding on Tumblr and oh, on like forums and shit, and I don't know any of it now. But yeah, I was I was also around this time in a Twilight forum, and I had one that was like uh, I had like a really like like a long like footer banner, and it was like on one side was a picture of uh, Edward, and on the other side was a picture of Jacob, and then in the middle it said I'm Team Switzerland because that's what she says in the book. <laughs> Of like, I'm not taking sides. Look, I'm out here revealing myself for content. You're fucking daddy made you your content open wide. Anyway, this girl's uh this girl's footer says in all caps, I believe this Everest Snape exists independently of JKR. Exclamation point. He is a living, feeling spirit. I believe anything is possible and that Severus does visit those he chooses to. I mean, so, honestly, I I have been relieved that this didn't go darker. Because like, on. Well, they didn't build a compound. That's true. Uh, at, at least one of them healthily uh, transferred their obsession to a different like media figure. To Mark Harmon. <laughs> yeah. Well, which at least means that like it's loose enough that they're like following their own kind of like internal desires rather than like hyper fixating on one person outside of like one idea of a person outside of like their own like needs as a person maybe they didn't kidnap anybody and force them to marry severus snape as far as we know right yeah oh yeah and so that's my that's my topic bravo Celia, what the fuck is 39 to the heavens? Well, first I'd like to set the scene for you. Oh my God, set it. Okay. To set the scene. Don't forget it. You're me. A 23-year-old young woman with an enthusiastic interest in the strange, the unexplained, and the unknown. Oh yeah, and I'm 6'1". And you're both 6'1". Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, As all of those things about me are true, I've grown up in an age with almost unfettered access to information, especially by the time I was old enough to have a phone that could access the internet. Which means it's really fun because I get to read all the weird stuff about cults and conspiracy theories and the aliens and UFO reports and whatever. And I don't have to worry about like really running into that stuff in my day to day life. I can just find it a plenty on the internet because now everyone's connected by the things that live in our pockets. That is true. So I would like to take you back to Newport, Oregon in 1975. Should you have been in that small town, you may have come across a flyer being circulated by a pair of eccentric individuals. The flyer read as follows. UFOs. Why are they here? Who they have come for? When will they leave? Not a discussion of UFO sightings or phenomena. 
two individuals say that they are about to leave the human level and literally physically enter the next evolutionary level in a spacecraft UFO within months. Followers of the two will discuss how the transition from human level to the next level is accomplished and when this may be done. This is not a religious or philosophical organization recruiting membership. However, the information has already prompted a number of individuals to devote their total energy to to the transitional process. If you have ever entertained the idea that there might be a real physical level in space beyond the Earth's confines, you will want to attend this meeting. Is this about Heaven's Gate? This is about Heaven's Gate. Oh my god! To the heavens! So we're gonna want to go up to the heavens. So, as I teased earlier, the other part of my personality uh, is that I think cults are deeply fascinating but in a very like human way i know you know in sort of pop culture the narrative is that like it's like these kooky people who like don't belong in society or don't fit like in a narrative or don't have like a space in like their life so they find these places and they're easily influenced but like at the end of the day when you really look especially at like heaven's gate as a cult that's you know, still notorious to this day. Uh, these people were were very normal and looking for connection. So I wanted to sort of dive a little bit more into the timeline of events. So obviously, if you know Heaven's Gate, just a little bit of a trigger warning. It does end in uh, the suicide of several members of the group. I will not go into any graphic depiction about that moment. I'm much more interested in the story up to that point. So let's get started. All right, let's do it. Thank you for the warning. But actually, first, if you saw that flyer, would you have gone? <laughs> oh, abs- uh, I well, if if tomorrow you and I went to a coffee shop, and in that coffee shop there were on a ta- on the table near where we're checking out and waiting for our drinks, there was a flyer that said this, and the meeting was in two days. Do you think you would go? I think I would go if it were in like, for example, like a library conference room or if it were like at that coffee shop. I would not go to somebody's house. Okay. I've seen too many movies. Like, I guess like what I'm saying is like, I would definitely want to go. Uh, and the first, like my first thought would be, I want to go. My second thought would be, how can I assure like my personal physical safety? Because it's a little on the edge of I could get kidnapped and, you know, be forced to marry Severus Snape. Right. right. Well, so. Yeah. Well, so lucky for you it took place at a motel this oh, this well, that's, that's normal this, that's regular yeah, nothing creepy or like scary happens yeah yeah, yeah nothing, that's fine yeah nothing bad has ever happened in a motel literally ever okay thank you yeah, for understanding it's, it's totally chill yes so on september 14th 1975 uh the waldport meeting which the flyers had served to summon people to uh occurred in a cramped motel meeting room where nearly 200 people ended up gathering <laughs> It was at this time uh, and at this meeting that the world and the eventual followers of the pair would first lay eyes on T and Doe, also known as the two. Uh, T and Doe are what they like went by as the leaders of Heaven's Gate. Um, originally, they were Bo and Peep, but uh, people were Hello. like, hey, uh, you know, that connection with like sheep and like sheep like followers and herding sheep, you know, might be kind of bad if you're trying to right. like, you know, spread the good word. And they were like, damn, well, we do love the sound of music. So I was just going to ask if that's like so la do. Yes. So yes. Yeah. So T and do. Um, their given names being Marshall Herf Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. Tight. 
Applewhite was a gay man and a son of a Protestant minister born in Spur, Texas. And after the passing of his father in 1971, Applewhite was hospitalized for severe depression. It was around that time that he met Nettles, a nurse who was fascinated with mysticism and the divine. And the two became like super close friends, saying that they felt they had met in a past life and that the meeting of their current vehicles, i.e. bodies, was foretold to Nettles by extraterrestrial beings. So, in this meeting, they enter, there's 200 people waiting to hear what they're going to tell them, and they just sit there for, like, two minutes in silence. Okay. And, Sick. And, and people who were there describe the way that they appeared as, like, otherworldly, and that it was almost like their eyes and their auras had, like, a glow to them. Um, I don't, uh-huh. don't want to say it's because motels have that spooky, weird fluorescent lighting uh, all yeah. throughout them, but, like, you know... <laughs> That aside, that's how they were described. So when they finally start speaking, T and Doe say that they have come to the earth to teach others the means by which they could achieve becoming a part of the next level, saying that humans could overcome all of their human level problems and like the things that make you bad by following their practices. And that when you would achieve the next level beyond human existence, your body would transform on a chemical and physical level, turning you into essentially what we would call space aliens. Or like the greys. Yeah. So kind of those gray, yeah, gray boys. Yeah, those spooky gray boys. And once you had yeah. achieved this form, you were then allowed to board a spacecraft and ascend to heaven, also known as the next level. So everybody who was in the group would be working at shedding all their earthly possessions and woes in order to ascend, to get on the spacecraft, to get to heaven. Once again, also known as the next level. So this meeting happens. After that, 34 individuals join the group, drawn into the concept and the ideology by the two, uh, who surviving members of the group refer to as otherworldly, enchanting, and captivating. Uh, And then basically those 34 people go missing. Like, they just disappear off the face of the planet with tea and dough after the meeting, attracting, like, nationwide attention. Uh, People were like, hey, you know, my family member sold me their belongings and left some stuff in a storage unit and then just disappeared. I haven't heard from them. They haven't spoken to me. I don't know where they are. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, Spoiler alert, they were basically, like, camping in the woods. Uh, all together, like all together. Hell yeah. Okay. Uh, starting. Sounds terrible. So what this is basically the starting point of Heaven's Gate, um, where they then spend essentially 22 years preparing to depart the Earth to ascend to the spacecraft. So oh my God. the group's early beliefs were focused around the idea of metamorphosis, which they called human individual metamorphosis. And members believed that as the impending of apocalypse approached, they would be physically transformed, but they had to do it individually. So within the group, it sort of created this, like, no one is the leader, even though they were all sort of following under T and Doe's teachings, nobody was, you know, in charge of anybody else. Everybody had to take care of, respect, and and transform on their own. So what seemed to make the beliefs more palatable, both from those looking from the outside in and those inside, was the fact that T and Doe interwove fundamental Christian beliefs and New Age fascinations with space travel. So while the beliefs of the group changed throughout its long existence, um, they once famously said that the heavens existed among the stars and that with a powerful enough telescope, one could see the Christian idea of God in space. 
Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Now, see, that's a classic move, right? It's just adopt stuff from like a religion religion people already know and like. Right, exactly. Oh, it's like that, but like a little, but like we've added a little bit of spice. And like, Like look, it's fine. It's actually way cooler now. Yeah, it's actually super sick. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Star Trek is is big at this time as well. Right. So, like, imagine if God was like space. Yeah, imagine if God was space and you could take a spaceship to get to him. Well, it's a very good like synchronism. of like things people believe that are kind of like older and have been passed down to them and things people believe that like feel like current. Absolutely. Yes. It's totally the blend. So actually to that, I think it, it's a really good parallel and we'll get into it more with like a lot of the QAnon stuff that's happening right now because yes, yes, absolutely. So Heaven's Gate, what's really interesting is Heaven's Gate was the first cult that was like really accessible on the internet as well. They cool. put a lot of their messaging, their website still exists to this day, which which we'll get into a little bit more. But Heaven's Gate also developed in the mid-1970s around the time of the Vietnam War and the Nixon impeachment. And so in times of turmoil and transition and uncertainty are often accompanied by increases in apocalyptic movements. Um, And Lauren Dawson, a professor of sociology and religious studies at the University of Waterloo, said um, people tend to lose their sense of bearing in the world. And then the apocalyptic scenario provides a clean and simple answer. For example, God has a plan. There's a clear demarcation between who's good and evil following a specific set of behaviors will ensure that good triumphs. And since it's God's plan, extreme actions are justified. Right. All of this is happening. Um, And like I said, they were using science fiction. So it was all these bad things are happening. We are the Messiah. We can take you. We know what we need to do to make you better, to solve our pain. Uh, And then from their website, here's a quote. It says, to help you understand who we are, we have taken the liberty to express a brief synopsis in the vernacular of a popular science fiction entertainment series. (laughs) Most readers in the late 20th century will certainly recognize the intended parallels. It is really quite interesting to see how the context of fiction can often open the mind to advanced possibilities, which are, in reality, quite close to fact. So, things are going well. They've got some members. They're now living in Colorado, kind of in like a commune-esque thing. Again, they're off the grid. They are not allowed. Members are not allowed to contact their family members. And Mm -hmm. none of them call each other by their real names. They all have changed their names to versions of, um, I don't quite recall the rule, but it's basically like Odie, like Ode and D are like added to their names and changed so that they're all sort of becoming one. They are letting go of their individuality and and who they are to become a part of this, this next level. Yeah. If I guys interject for a second, I don't, it's, it's, I don't remember exactly that thing. It was like, it's like either their name or they pick like another normal name, but they add Odie to the end. Yes. Uh, Yes. But I, I had a friend who was like kind of in a, you know, cult adjacent scenario. And I feel like uh, from my reading on this and also his experience, like two big like warning signs, like, you, you know, you can believe a lot of different things. You can live a lot of different ways. But the two kind of like scary things you should watch out for are, you know, if, you know, this new social scenario you find yourself in is specifically forbids you from like connecting outside of it. Right. And then also if they kind of like reestablish your identity. So like a renaming can kind of seem like a small thing and it's kind of goofy, right? Right. Like I become like Connor Odie or something. But like psychologically that can be like a very big thing of just like a way to kind of reorient someone in a way that can be kind of very controlling. Right. Right. I think like you hit the nail on the head where it's like you would maybe say yes to that before you would say yes to say, uh, I don't know, hurting someone else or 
um, maybe even like giving up money or something like that. But it actually has like a really profound like psychological impact on you. Right. You're right, giving right. up part of your identity. Right. And you and you don't have that sense of like familial identity anymore. And like I think too with the names, the names came later. They had already given up family and they'd given up most of their possessions. They only really had what the community of Heaven's Gate had. And beyond that, it was like they did TV broadcasts and stuff together. But otherwise, they they had no other access. They were only learning and identifying in that group. So yeah, so you mm-hmm. get cut off and it's like, oh, well now this is who I am. There is nothing else. Right. So this goes on for about nine to ten years. And then Nettles, uh, the woman in the pair, she dies after a long battle with liver cancer. <laughs> Uh, which throws a huge fucking wrench in the group's beliefs that the transformation was as much physical as it was spiritual. Because again, remember, they're all working towards like ascending, but like then we're going to get to turn into super cool space aliens. So that that ship wants to beam us up. Right. So Applewhite is kind of like, oh shit, like this is bad because it shakes the core belief system of the whole group. So he tells followers that she had gone on to the next level because she had too much energy to remain on the earth. But also in her death, Applewhite becomes severely depressed again. And for the first time, he allowed Heaven's Gate's members to return to their families and sort of reassess their commitment to the group's beliefs, which doesn't happen a lot when we talk about cults. Usually when, A, they have such longevity and things have been going on for a while, you know, the natural expectation is that they're going to go downhill quickly. But there is this moment where people can leave and people did leave the group. Um, It was not a like there was no threat of violence or a threat of um, like, we'll, we'll harm you or your family if you leave. But it was sort of like, you don't ever get access to us again. And don't expect us right. to welcome you back if you want to come back. Right. You'll mm. never get on that spaceship. Yeah. It, you'll, right. You've you've sacrificed it. You you are not special enough anymore. You're just a human and you have to live with that pain for the rest of your life. Ouch. So you know, they guilted you in other ways. Yeah. But like in a sort of like a shock, not twist, but in a, in a shocking turn, uh, his explanation was like widely accepted and everybody came back except one person. Well, I mean, if you've been like involved in this group for like a decade, I mean, you're pretty, you know, emotionally committed at that point. Right. You, you've uh, given up your, your, your social identity. You can't necessarily like reintegrate back into society as easily when you have lived off the grid. <laughs> Yeah, for 10, 11 years. Plus, you know, a lot of the messaging in the media about Heaven's Gate was that like, oh, UFO, like space nuts, like weirdos, like speak of like heavenly, like ascension. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, of course I wouldn't want somebody to be like, where have you been the last 10 years? You know, hang out with that UFO cult. It's been great. Thanks. So continuing on, I wanted to sort of bring up this idea of like the cognitive dissonance that happened at this time, because in this documentary, Heaven's Gate Cult of Cults on HBO Max, very good. I recommend you watch it if this has at all intrigued you, Uh, has a lot of like archival footage of the cult because they recorded like for as reclusive as they were, they recorded like scores and scores and scores of videos of like the internal operations of uh, their group. And in it, a religion scholar, Riza Aslan, explains that the theory of cognitive dissonance as it applies to failed prophecies is 
is that when a predicted end date passes without consequence, followers simply diverse or disperse, but sometimes they dig in their heels. So basically, since the brain doesn't like holding contradictory beliefs, it will bring divergent ideas back into consonance, either by accepting that a prophecy was false or by creating an explanation for why the end will come later instead or in a different way. And that's what happens in the case of Heaven's Gate. So this is where I wanted to bring in QAnon really quickly. (laughs) This is where QAnon's going to come in. No, no. So it's a really interesting parallel because such cognitive Uh. dissonance is happening or did happen previously, past tense, in the QAnon community because its leader, the anonymous Q, had predicted this red wave, but then Trump lost the election and QAnon went silent for 11 days. Um, People were freaking Mm -hmm. out. People were like, where's our prophetic leader? We need somebody to explain like all of this confusing information, these conspiracies, what's true, what's not. And then 20. Is it being stolen? Like is right. Is it stolen? Is this a big plan? Was this a part of the plan? Is it a part of our plan or someone else's? Like, should we be on board with this? Like, what are we doing here? So, you know, it's sort of this up in the air of like, are the followers of QAnon going to accept the prophecy as false that, you know, the red wave's not coming, this is not our time, or are they going to dig in their heels? And then, you know, eventually Q, still relatively silent, but like, you know, hadn't quite backed down, was just like, nothing can stop what is coming. So like, there, right. it, it was, it's enough to, you know, keep the people there that like, uh-huh. they want to keep pulling in. But well, I think it's easy from the outside to say, like, well, if a prophecy fails, that would be my, like, moment to exit. Right. But, like, right. I think from the inside, it's like, well, you know, which which is actually, like, emotionally easier to, like, kind of just further kind of, like, reject kind of these outside uh, signs of, like, what, like, the real world is? Or is it easier to, like, completely reestablish, like, my identity and social connections in the world? Right. And, I mean, I think, honestly, like, social connections are a lot realer and kind of more important than like these things we say are like you know what we think of as the real world yes no I completely agree and I think you know especially Heaven's Gate the whole thing was connection it was people who felt called to this common belief this common interest in in the strange or the unexplainable this other plane and then they were like oh yeah well this is my normal and then how do you explain that when like something goes wrong and you've you've given up these other sort of social currency these other you know, perhaps more normal or mainstream interests to chase after this, like, belief that you have a higher purpose. Right. So after Nettle's death, the group's core beliefs begin to start revolving a lot more about spiritual ascension versus physical and spiritual in which they would leave their bodies behind now and then be reborn among the higher life forms in heaven. So Mm. part of that, um, and this is where, you know, Heaven's Gate was never sort of like a sex cult, but there was a sort of actually reversal in that they were very much like, okay, a part of this is that uh, we're going to going to stop recruiting. We're going to we're going to sh- shrink down our, that operation because we're going to focus on number 1 sort of like the suppression of sexual desire because in Applewhite's opinion sexuality mm-hmm. was one of the most powerful forces that bound humans to their bodies and hindered their efforts to evolve to the next level. And he believed and taught that the next level beings had no reproductive organs and that Lucifer was responsible for genders. So we needed to get rid of that. So internal in the organization 
they start to sort of uh, shed all all things that would e- a like indicate gender. So they again part of the name the renaming. Uh, they all get the same haircut. They begin dressing all the same and sort of just try to homogenize the group as much as possible into these sort of genderless forms so that they can. And is this when the Nikes come in, or is that so the Nikes do come in the the Nikes? We can actually just talk about it now because we're gonna sort of lead up to why they end up taking their lives. Um, so the Nikes and then they wore track suits with little patches that say Heaven's Gate Away Team because they believed that they were leaving behind their bodies but if they were wearing sort of this like group outfit that um, the Haley Bop Comet which we'll also get to very quickly here uh, was going to pick them up because it had a spaceship following it. So they needed to have sort of their like their spacesuits. So yeah, so that's yeah. what the Nikes are a part of. Oh, okay. But was there also kind of like a sports like analogy going on? Because I, I I didn't know about the patches actually. Like I knew about the Nikes, but uh, I didn't know about the away team patches. But then that kind of creates like a more coherent kind of aesthetic, I guess, of like, we're the away team and so we're wearing like sport shoes. So it's less that and it's more uh, in effort to sort of project themselves like Star Trek characters going on a mission. Like even the stylization of their patch is kind of like space team away. Uh, Their logo is kind of like a keyhole because it looks sort of like a ship with like a beam coming down from it. Mm -hmm. Mm. So I think it's a little bit more just the like, you know, everybody in Star Trek has a uniform that they wear on the ship, on the Enterprise, or whatever iteration of the show you're watching and whatever the ship is called. So this is happening. And then Applewhite starts getting sick in the, in the late 90s. And the group is having trouble recruiting a new generation. And it was clear that, like, something needed to happen. Like, something needed to come to a head. They could not continue on the course that they were going on. And over the course of the group's existence, They'd had several hundred people join and leave, but by 1993, the group's numbers had dropped below 50, and it was clear that, like, something needed to change. So, big drastic steps were taken. They published a $30,000 advertisement in USA Today that year that was titled UFO Cult Resurfaces with Final Offer, along with the advertisements and other publications that proclaimed last chance to advance beyond human. Oh, so they described themselves as a cult in this ad. So they did in this point because they were like, this is what people know us as. This is our last chance to help other people who are like us ascend and go beyond We should just lean in. Right. And honestly, Applewhite, like, was sort of of this mind, and you can see it in some of, like, the interviews, um, again, if you watch the documentary or even, like, reading quotes, he was very much of the mind now that, like, it had to be a dramatic conclusion. Like, this was it. Like, it couldn't have been for nothing. So, the Halibop Comet is announced that it's going to come and fly by the Earth. And it presented Applewhite with this grand theatrical conclusion that he was looking for. The group would shed their mortal coils had their spirits abducted by the comet they would ascend to heaven T and Doe would be reunited again the two together and all of their followers and they would get to go finally to the next level so to sort of further that Halibop mythology in January of 1997 doctored photos surfaced that were manipulated to show an unknown object trailing the comet which Applewhite considered this object though once again a fake item it didn't exist in the end uh, to be the alien space that was being sent to take him and the rest of Heaven's Gate home. 
So, in preparation for the passing of the comet, many of the members recorded exit interviews in the months and weeks leading up to when they took their own lives. Um, by all accounts, they seemed happy and of sound mind. They mailed those interviews to friends and family members along with notes, many of which began, by the time this letter is being read, we will all have shed our containers. Oh. Yeah. So. It would be so hard for the family. Well, yeah. And so something, you know, that I just wanted to touch on was that what might be considered the most interesting or maybe more shocking ex- aspect again of the entire Heaven's Gate era is that almost all the members were not at all what people I feel like now would consider like cult material. Many of Applewhite and Nettle's crew hailed from these very diverse backgrounds and most of them were described by researchers as having been longtime truth seekers, but they were researchers, they were teachers, they were educators. And then one recruit was John Craig, um, at the time a respected Republican running for the Colorado House of Representatives when he joined in 1975. And uh, he walked out on his wife and six children to follow Applewhite and Nettles. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Um, and obviously, so there were 39 people um, at the end of the day who decided to make the ultimate dedication to Applewhite and his teachings. Just before the event of them taking their lives, the Heaven's Gate's website released this message. Um, Helibop brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to conclusion. Graduation from the human evolutionary level. We are happily prepared to leave this world and go with T's crew. T again being Nettles. It also feels so ominous that, I mean, I I guess like on the most practical level, it just makes sense. And I'm not even necessarily saying that it was like done with like malicious intent because like we'll never know the extent. Like obviously it seems like Apple White and Nettles like believed what they were talking about uh, and that they weren't acting like out of like pure sort of like, um, like malicious intent, you know, to to hurt people. But there's just something so nefarious and kind of upsetting about like never using like the words like, like death or suicide or kill or it's just like, well, we're, we're going to move on. Right. Like we're going to, we're going to evolve and we're going to, we're going to shed our containers, right? Like not our bodies. Right. Not like by the time you read this, I'll be gone. It's like, it's always like this like subtle, like shift of language correct that makes the reality of what you're doing like less scary oh absolutely which is bad because it, it should be scary it should be you're scary not, and, and you're it, not supposed to want to do that right well and I think too like to your point when you're just so deep into the language you've you've been spending 22 now years completely reframing your perspective of death and you're with all these other people who have also done it. And now it's like, well, okay, yeah, this this is the conclusion. So it was on March 26, 1997, uh, when the largest mass suicide on United States soil took place, taking the lives of 39 men and women whose ages ranged from 26 to 72. Oof. So remembering the Heaven's Gate cult, once infamously known for the means by which they left the world, also means remembering a time where the beginning of the internet age, our brains were primed for seeking out profound group experiences and how those experiences could help create a sense of identity and meaning in a world that was rapidly changing. I think a lot of us want to believe that we are above that level of susceptibility, that we wouldn't ever think we could be so foolish, so manipulated. And honestly, the catch is that like, you never know for sure. Maybe you've not heard the right pitch yet. In the 24 years since that day, uh, technology has advanced exponentially. The influence of the internet has never been stronger. And just imagine 
like taking a moment to imagine like, wow, what would it have been like if some if people like Applewhite and Nettles techniques were to be used now? And honestly, who's to say that the techniques that they're using aren't being used on social media? The placement of the proper words and images related to your beliefs is broken down into an equation and you are directly targeted in order to be influenced on social media, literally advertising and marketing. Applewhite and Nettles had flyers and a few hours in a conference room and look at what they accomplished. It's hard to imagine what kind of manipulation can and will continue to take place in the internet and like the Facebook and social media age. And we have to ask ourselves sort of, are we any more advanced in recognizing and preventing this kind of manipulation than the 39 people who fell asleep for the last time 24 years ago? Yeah. My sort of final thing that I wanted to just talk about was the Heaven's Gate website is still live today, almost entirely unchanged since the early days of its conception. You can still read their book, their messaging. It's a relic from the 90s and a time capsule for an unthinkable tragedy that is still managed by two of the surviving members, an elderly couple living in Arizona, the Kings, who are said to have set up a company on behalf of Heaven's Gate called TELA Foundation, which stands for the evolutionary level above human. Yeah, that was always one of the kind of more interesting things to me that like there were two that like remained behind who were like committed, you know, believers. Yep. But like they just did not get assigned to you know, in their minds, ascend and, you know, uh, take their own lives. And they still, yeah, they still run the website. Uh, I mean, I remember learning about this in high school and finding the website and being like, oh, I can still like order like a VHS tape from these people. Yeah. Or more recently, and this is kind of a tangent, but uh, the rapper Lil Uzi Vert, mm-hmm. uh, his album that came out last year, uh, Eternal Attack, uh, was originally going to be kind of like aesthetically themed, like its album art around like the Heaven's Gate mm-hmm. uh, artwork. Uh-huh. And and uh, they got like a lawsuit from the two remaining members. Oh, wow. And they had to like change it. Yeah. Oh, so not like a lawsuit as in like this is in poor taste, like a lawsuit as in like you don't have the right to talk about art. Right. Like, this is ongoing our intellectual work. property. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So my final thing is that I would just like to leave you with an excerpt from uh, a page on their site titled Overview of Present Mission, uh, published and last updated in April of 1996. Quote, and so this brings us before the public once again with our farewell legacy. At the time of this writing, we do not yet know the extent of this seventh and we suspect final public involvement. Our book and anthology of our materials begins phase one. Nothing is predetermined. The response of the world to the next level will be monitored very carefully. What happens next remains in the balance. It has been given that what you do with this and how you respond to us is strictly up to you. And I just thought that that was like kind of like a haunting but like beautiful sentiment of they continue to maintain and tend there are keepers of their story all of these years later that mm-hmm. preserve their legacy in the way that when they were alive they wanted it to be presented all of their writings are still there all of their stories are still present the videos are are so watchable and i think that there's just something about heaven's gate that's so unique because until the end they promoted sort of peace and tranquility there, there wasn't external violence. They did not promote those ideals like I think a lot of people think of cults as doing. Right. And so I think that there's just something to take away from that. Like there will always be people who are looking for groups that support their out there theories. But, you know, the way that you choose to, to read and, and process 
and take in the information that these groups leave behind or put out there is, yeah, is ultimately it's up to you. You can make your judgment calls on, on, oh, well, I'd never have done that, or that's so silly, or how out there and ridiculous and outlandish. But I think, you know, either to our advantage or our detriment, like people are a lot more built to be communal in a mystical way than I think like anybody really wants to like accept. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Heaven's Gate shows too that like, you know, a cult can kind of be like, there's like a broad spectrum of like cult beliefs and like structures and stuff. And like Heaven's Gate got famous because it did end in this like awful, like tragic way. But at the same time, it wasn't, you know, kind of cartoonishly evil in a way that like, say, Jonestown was maybe right. mm-hmm. where it kind of like all the violence was like turned like inward on like people who were like a small group of very like true believers. Absolutely. The other thing that I always think about, like in relation to this and like kind of cults now is that like these things like exist in ways that like we don't consider because like we know about Heaven's Gate because it ended this way. But like, you know, people were like kind of following this in you know a little bit like while it was going on but like it only became part of like the popular like consciousness when this happened right but like these kinds of groups like exist all the time in like small amounts to varying yeah. degrees uh and they're you know they're just like groups out there and just you don't hear about them because like they don't end in this like awful way right you you kind of have like these structures that just sort of like bring people in and are kind of controlling in this way and are maybe like anti-social or sort of like unhealthy uh emotionally or like psychologically for the members um but like they never reach like this fever pitch where it becomes like a news story yeah i mean i think that just goes back to like how celia sort of ended her topic really beautifully about just like we have a, an almost preternatural need to develop like these kinds of meaningful connections with one another as like social animals uh and what that means is that like yeah i think in some ways like, i feel like there's like this like fun parallel maybe fun's not the right word but there's a parallel between your topic and mine in terms of like yeah like this is what internet communities are this is what parasocial relationships are this is what people who get overly weird about fitness and going to the gym like this like all of it really comes down to like connecting and like being seen the way that you want to be seen by other people Mm -hmm. well i was gonna say when you were presenting your topic i actually thought like in a yeah in a very (laughs) strange way our topics are very close to one another yeah did y'all plan this no no not at all i i do feel like they're very complimentary i know it's god it's house energy Uh-oh. <laughs> like you know how they're like tiktok hype houses we're just like i don't know uh bad house pussy pinch house pussy pinch house oh that'll make your pussy pinch oh that complimentary topic moment <laughs> it made mine if you will it'll make my pussy pinch for sure <laughs> Conmore, are you ready to dole out some points? I think so. We'd love to hear it. Uh, well, I want to give like five points across the board just for like synchronicity right now. Love it. Love that. Uh, like that TikTok. Like there's no th- such thing as a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Connor's current uh, favorite TikTok. I don't. I think you're gonna have I to. Sh- you're gonna guy. have to show that to me. Oh my god, he will. He would love to show you, Queen. <laughs> yeah, those are so good. That guy rocks. Uh, okay, so five points across the board for like synchronicity. Yeah, I, th- I feel like you know good topics all around, but then also like topics that kind of like you know talk to each other and like build uh, thematically. I'm gonna give another five points to Chelsea because like I had not heard of Snapewise before. Yeah, I know it was fair enough. There's new things to uncover every day. Yeah, and then I'm going to subtract two points from Celia because I had heard of Heaven's Gates before. 
Okay, that's fair, I guess. But I'm also <laughs> going to give you five points for bringing it all home and really, I think, kind of drilling down to kind of like the thematic core of like what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I know this isn't like my time to, I'm not giving points, uh, but I guess what I really liked about your topic, Celia, is that it didn't feel like a, oh, hey, check out this crazy thing that happened. People killed themselves, which is how I think a lot of times, unfortunately, people talk about Evans Gate. And instead you sort of pushed yourself to, God, I sound like a high school teacher. You really pushed yourself to like, think about like what, like what it means to like talk about and like know this story and like share this story as like a cultural marker. Like if we're going to have the story be part of our like cultural narrative, what does that mean for us? And like, why do we care? So good job. Thank you. Is it, is it my turn? No, you don't give points. Connor's still giving points. It's just taking a long time. Oh, okay. Am I still giving points? Yeah, baby, you're doing great. Well, you gave Celia a bunch of points. Like you did like her addition to subtraction. You haven't given me any points beyond my five points across the board. So I'm kind of hoping that I gave you some more points. You got, we got five across the board and then you got five for introducing him to Snape Wives, which is why I lost Uh, two because mm. he had heard of Heaven's Gate. But Mm. then you got five more. Yeah. But then I don't get any more. That's okay. Well, really, you just didn't get any subtractive. That's true. I'll take it. Mm. I love it. Can you... I get points? Yeah, baby, you get five points. I get 100 points. You get 100 points. You're absolutely right, King. I'm so sorry. You get 100 points um, for being cute. Aw. Uh, how how glib are we feeling about the concept of cults? Like, we've been very kind of... We're talking about, like, some very, like, dark stuff. Uh-huh. Like, do we want to riff on cults? Or is that, like, are we being respectful? I mean, I would say, kind of like we were talking about at the end, like cults, I think, are actually like, if you really just define a cult as like a group of people that has like some level of like loss of autonomy uh, Mm. in service to the group, then cults are incredibly prolific and they run the gamut from things that are incredibly tragic, like Heaven's Gate, to uh, shit that is absolutely fair game to make fun of. Right. Just like innocuous, just like... Yeah. This is just like, you know, a weird group of people. I think like right. a great example of something that's fair game because it's so stupid in the way that it's talked about <laughs> is the TikTok cult that's just like a commune of like morons living in the woods. Yeah. And then it turned mm. out they were racist. Yeah. And I mean that in yeah. the meanest way possible. Like, right. Uh, there are a bunch of morons living in the woods and they like use TikTok to try to record, like recruit young people. But then when people, a lot of people were like, oh yeah, because it became viral. Uh, uh, a lot of people were like, yeah, I'd love to come to your commune. And they're like, ooh, not you. We met like hot young white people. Right. Could like be in our videos. Like when we said we were like, ra- we practiced like radical freeness and we wanted like this is a place for everyone and this is a radical safe space. We meant for hot young white people to be on our videos. We don't actually want like black and brown people or older people or anything like that. Like that's right. stinky. Yeah. yeah. No, they suck. <laughs> No, but uh, I think that does suck. Yeah. Well, what I was gonna say is, uh, have y'all ever considered what your cult would be? Because I, I did have a joke cult in high school. Uh, oh. Say more right now. Uh, my, my cult was gonna be the cult of the Everfull, uh-huh. and the idea was that we would be like a commune, and we just like nosh like all the time. Oh, you're uh, like, snack boys. Oh, Everfull. We would just be snack boys. Well, because the idea was that we we weren't gonna like do anything like tragic. But just like the idea was that like when when you die, you are as full for the rest of eternity as you are when you die. So you always want to be like sated. Uh, so like that's why you always have to be snacking. Oh, uh-huh. always be snacking. Always yeah, be like, snacking. Hey, 
ABC always be crunching. Like the eternal <laughs> afterlife is like your stomach floating through space. Okay. And then you just like, you want that tummy to be full because like you are stuck with that. Sure. And that, that was, that would have been our teaching. Connor, I'm being a hundred percent serious when I tell you that uh, you could start this on TikTok and I yeah. think you would, like, I think it would catch on. <laughs> like, Connor, I think you could Connor has a very this. strange charisma that I feel could lend him well to being a TikTok cult leader. Oh, people just, it's not just because he is like a straight white guy. Like people just believe the shit that because... Con- <laughs> No, people just believe the shit that you say. I, the amount of times that like you have like gone on like sort of like a very Connor-esque like deadpan rant about something and one of our friends has said, wait, really? And you said, no, of course not. Like that happens like at least once a week. Wait, does like, it? I feel like that has happened several times. <laughs> to be fair, it's usually Miles. <laughs> like, Miles is like, oh, Dude, for real? And you'd be like, no, like, not at all. Like, I think you specifically could convince Miles specifically of almost anything. Well, I would just trick him into being like my friend and hanging out. Like our cult would just be like, we'd find like a nice like co-op video game and hang out on the couch. That's you guys pretty are tiny friends. Yeah, who do that? Well, you don't play co-op video games together, but I guarantee you that Miles would play a co-op video game with you if you asked him to. Well, then I guess the cult's gonna be a success. Nice. Hell yeah, King. Uh, this is, in, I guess, like to continue with like my like mini theme of like really calling myself out in this episode. Uh, I feel like it's a host's duty to be honest. Uh, in an incredibly problematic move, uh, when I was in like sixth grade, entirely predicated on my like obsession with like lifetime original movies and like sort of like hallmark movies of the week type stuff. Uh, I started a gang. Uh, Say more. Based on my extremely limited understanding of what a gang was, which was just the like a gang is a group of friends who hang out a lot and they have a name for their friend group and they uh, have like usually like a little symbol that also is about their friend group and uh, they will fight other gangs. Like it was like a real like West Side Story kind of understand, like Seventh Heaven understanding of gangs. I was like, okay, so we call ourselves like the bad girls and it's a B and a G, but they're like in like sort of like a Superman-esque font. And uh, we will fight any other gang on this playground, like any other gang. And like maybe like one of us will buy a knife from like <laughs> from like the not like the Spencer's gifts maybe one of us will mall. buy a knife yeah. <laughs> like that was the extent of it and I recruited like four other girls and then somebody heard us talking about it and my teacher talked to me and was like you absolutely like you absolute moron like you cannot you cannot start a gang at school and you certainly cannot talk about starting a gang at school yeah uh, and I then later love- I learned more about like how gangs actually work and I was like oh that was real problematic yeah i do like the idea of uh, uh the threat of oh my friend's gonna buy a knife you better watch out <laughs> yeah my friend's <laughs> gonna go to the mall with her mom later and she will buy a knife at spencer's gift so you should be afraid of that in about uh 12 to 24 hours processing time yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh celia what was what was your call i don't remember what we called it but when i was in english class we my friend and I, three of us, were sitting in a row, 
And it became that I would be the leader and that one of us each time, including me, I was in the rotation, would be the person that like you didn't want to be, that you would be bad and you would be tainted and that you needed to be cleansed by like, and this is going to sound absolutely psychotic, so I'm really sorry uh, if anybody who knows me is listening to this. Um, No, you didn't. You didn't hear it. You didn't hear it. Uh, Oops, you don't know me. Uh, And then whoever was like the bad person that day would have to be pinched by the other two people. Oh, it's oh going full God, circle. It's coming real circle. Yeah, so it is. It is no pussy pinching, just to be very clear, because we we <laughs> had to we had to keep it G, because uh, it was yeah, keep oh, it G. once again English class. But it would be like <laughs> that you would try to pinch the person like while class was happening and not get caught. Like, and uh, we were full ass high schoolers, so like it's really embarrassing <laughs> that this was like a part of it. Um, but it was that like depending on the day, it would be the order of who got to class. So if you got to class first, you were good. You were fine. Uh, If you got to class last, you were, oops, the bad one. (laughs) So, well, at least in a weird way, your your cult, like, encouraged promptness. Yeah, Yeah. but also, like, it was definitely... (laughs) I was like, damn, if you fuckers don't get here for this queer English lit class, I swear to God. And I don't mean that we learned about queer lit. I just mean that everyone in that class was, like, not straight. Uh, So, as it it should be. Um, (laughs) uh, But no, it was definitely one of those moments where it was like, why are we doing this? We're not really getting anything out of it. We just, like, went off. I think it's because we were reading Lord of the Flies in class, quite honestly, uh, which is a problem book for me in general because it's uh, repeatedly got me in trouble because adults haven't read it. Uh, and then I make comparisons. That's a story for another time. But uh, yeah. <laughs> we were reading it in class and I was like, oh, so oopsies, some of these boys are good and some of these boys are bad. And it's literally just because like some of them got swept up into like some white dude's conjecture and then the other ones uh ralph and piggy were like damn we don't like that jack kid uh so anyway i was like well what if we simply did samesies in class and it involved <laughs> each other that's amazing it wasn't supposed to be a user guide <laughs> uh, anything's a user guide if you think about yeah. it hard enough we did a similar thing in fifth grade but with survivor which was that um we i i was in a montessori school and one of the things that we did at montessori was that like uh all of the tables like all of the like desks like you remember like the kid desks where it's like uh like a a one person desk and it like has like sort of like a cubby underneath the writing part you know what i'm talking about yeah Mm. so we all had those desks but those desks would be as like grouped into pods of four where they'd all be like kind of facing into each other and the desks were not assigned so you could sit in like different pods every day or like you could sit with the same people every day if you wanted to but like you were just kind of encouraged to like that's part of like the montessori like thinking is like you should uh create your own space like uh you know find your space around the room so anyway so there were these pods so we created like a survivor system where like our pod of four was like the island and every single day we would vote somebody out of the pod and then they weren't allowed to sit in the pod the next day and we'd put somebody new in uh and it was all and it like it just really like the rules were not any clearer than that and so it obviously led to some (laughs) 
real problems. And it basically was an like an excuse for ten year olds to be like clicky and shitty to each other. Yeah. Uh, but we use like the we use like the core theme, like the skin we used that time for for clicky mean bullshit was Survivor. <laughs> Anyway, that's the podcast. I love that. So, <laughs> this is really great. Hanging out. Celia, where can people find you online? I am at Mother of Dinos on Twitter. I'm not active there. It's boring. You can find me on TikTok at Dino Mother, where I talk about anime, manga, and Genshin Impact. So if those are things that are of interest to you, you should go and follow me there. I will write back to you. I am desperate for human contact. And you can find me <laughs> at Instagram at Celery T-I-S-E. Connor, what about you? Where can people find you online? Uh, I post comics online occasionally. Uh, on Instagram, you can find me at cornershoe.comics with an X. C-O-M-I-X. Well, you can find me at Chelsea Harfouche wherever internets are sold. And you can find this podcast at WhatPod on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, you know, the big three. Uh, you can find us online at our website at thosetwogirls.club where you can access our Patreon. Patreon's very simple. You pay $5 a month, you get to come listen to us record these episodes on Sunday nights live. That's that means you hear like all the times that we fuck up or say things we shouldn't say, like something that we literally just said like 30 seconds ago that Ellie has now cut out. So it's real fun. <laughs> it's exciting. It's high stakes. It's stakesy, if you will. Uh, and I highly encourage you to check out that Patreon. But of course, the episodes will always stay free for people who don't wish to subscribe. It's just an added bonus if you're interested. So check it out. And you can also find our merch on uh, Redbubble. And that is at those two girls as well so thank you so much for listening thanks for hanging out and uh i don't know go learn something and then now celia you gotta do the thing that i usually say god this is really falling apart in terms of like who's subbing for who okay uh, but you gotta say keep it loose Ooh, they'll make your pussy pinch oh fuck all right let's end it with that it's fine <laughs>